Support comes from Adelaide Interiors. Their design team can expertly manage every detail of your renovation and remodeling project from start to finish. From bathrooms to kitchens, appliances, cabinets, countertops, flooring, and coverings. More at Adelaide.com. Support for The Zest comes from People's Gas, delivering clean, efficient, and affordable natural gas for cooking at home with precise temperature control. More at floridasenergy.com. The picture looks like it could be hung on uh, a gallery wall. So it's not just a snapshot of food on a plate. I'm Robin Sessingham, and this is The Zest. Citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and southern charm. We're all about food in Florida. Are you taking photographs of your homemade cookies or awesome barbecue and posting them to Instagram? It's gotten to be part of the fun of cooking, but not if it shows up in your feed as a drab brown blob. We have some tips for you coming up. If you're enjoying what you hear on The Zest, you can help us out a lot by subscribing to the podcast and by giving us a rating and a review on iTunes. Support for the Zest podcast comes from Seitenbacher brand natural foods like muesli cereals, oils, oatmeal, energy bars, gluten-free fruit gummies for the kids, organic coffee, and more. Available in supermarkets, health food stores, or online at seitenbacher.com. Maybe you just spent two days perfecting a loaf of sourdough bread, and the picture you took just did not convey how delicious and perfect it turned out. Well, we can help you make those photos better. Our contributor, Janet Keeler, sat down with her husband, Scott Keeler, to talk about the nitty-gritty of photographing food. Scott is a longtime photojournalist at the Tampa Bay Times. They worked there together when Janet was the food and travel editor, and she says their marriage has survived both that and her pandemic panic baking. So they say you're not supposed to marry somebody you work with, but we did that. And we survived 15 years together at the Tampa Bay Times, where I was the food editor, and you're a photographer still. And we did a lot of food photography in our house. We had kind of a studio set up, really. It was a kitchen nook that had a high table, and beautiful uh, light came in through the windows all around. So it was a little bit makeshift. I cooked food and did some styling with some help from some other people. And you did the food photography. I am teaching a class at the University of South Florida, St. Petersburg, on food photography. And you are, well, really, the students are lucky to have you helping me so they get your expertise. I thought it would be fun to, to talk to you a little bit about what makes a good food photograph, especially since so many people are taking food photographs these days and posting them on social media. So let's start there, Scott Keeler. What makes a good food photograph? Well, I think that two most important things, and this is true about any photograph, is you want to have good composition of the contents of the photograph, the what's in the photograph, and you also want to have some interesting lighting. If you have both of these things going on, you'll have a winner food photograph. And people say, well, how do I get good lighting? And one of the things you want to do is if you have a plate of food and you need to take a picture of it, you want to get that plate of food near a window. The sun is your friend. The light outside is your friend. Once you start playing around with that, you'll see that it just kind of pops the food and makes it 
more dynamic look. It kind of makes me smile when you say that about natural light, because I always tell the students, I can tell when you're taking these photos under the, uh, the, the stove hood with that light, that yellow light at night. Yeah, I call it the pukey looking yellow light <laughs> that just makes everything look kind of drab and uninteresting. You know, the photography in the world has exploded, like you, you said, because everybody's got a camera in their smartphone and a video camera as well. There are a lot of really good food pictures on social media, and there are a lot of bad ones where people just don't realize, hey, I need to get it in decent light. Hey, I need to look at the food like it's a painting and and create a, a design with it so that it pops out. And it, it I call it uh, getting yourself out of the snapshot horde of people in the world. If you elevate your picture with good light and good design, you get yourself out of that kind of snapshotty look of, any, of a photograph. Well, let's go back and talk a little bit about light. You know, it's 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 slightly easy for you to say because you've been a, a press photographer for 35 years. So it's a, you, you are naturally drawn to the light. What am I looking for when I'm when I'm starting to be a food photographer? What, what are you talking about light? What do you mean? Well, Light coming in from a window, for example, you get a nice highlight on one side of the food and then it kind of tapers off into a shadow on the other side of whatever you're photographing. And you can actually use a reflector as the second light source. So what do you mean by a reflector? A piece of white paper or a, a cookie sheet, for example, that's silver in color. That used on the back end will actually bounce light from the shadow side back onto to whatever you're photographing. So now you've got light coming through the window and you've, you're bouncing light off of whatever your uh, reflective piece of whatever you're using back into the shadow area. And if you, like anything else, if you experiment with that, with, with that type of setup, you'll see there are uh, hundreds of different ways you can throw light into the, into the scene. So, you know, by experimentation, you'll see that, wow, this is so much better than just taking a picture underneath the uh, stove hood light. When you're talking natural light, though, what's the best time of the day for that? Well, they, they photographers have talked about this at length over the years, and they always say the sweet light is from dawn until about 10 a.m. in the morning, and then from about 4 p.m. till dusk. And what we're talking about is the light, the light during the middle of the day is a hot white light that is kind of flat and harsh. The light in the from the dawn until 10 a.m. and then from 4 p.m. till dusk, it turns golden. Now this is on a day, of course, when the sun is out and you don't have a cloudy, rainy day. And the light takes on a golden look. So it just adds another dimension to whatever you're photographing if you can get that kind of light onto the subject. I like that you that you said about reflectors, about using a cookie sheet, an aluminum cookie sheet that's silver so it reflects the light. You can also use, and we've told this to the students before, because they're all they're always a little bit nervous about equipment. And, you know, you show up with these great reflectors and, and they're real fancy looking and stuff, but you can sometimes use a white napkin, which I've seen in restaurants sort of, you know, 
irritating to the restaurateurs and maybe to other mm. guests in there when when bloggers and everything are pulling out those white napkins from their purses to to use as reflectors. So can you talk a little bit about equipment? What kind of equipment do you need? You, I mean, it, it, you could use, if you're lucky and, and you have the equipment, you could use your uh, $3,000 Canon or Nikon camera with assorted lenses, of course. But smartphones today have incredible cameras in them. Uh, we had students in the class that, uh, because they had design sense, uh, they could see the composition well. It didn't matter whether or not they were using an iPhone or a $3,000 Canon or Nikon camera. The pictures they produced off of their iPhones were amazing. And again, the people that are successful at this realize that if they get the food into decent, interesting light, and then they compose the picture well so that it looks, it has design elements to it. The broccoli and had, is turned a certain way or it's steaming or the, there are different colors in the, in the setup of, of food. Uh, the picture looks like it could be hung on uh, a gallery wall. So it's not just a snapshot of food on a plate. Well, you mentioned broccoli, which makes me think of, of the subjects that you would take food, uh, f- food photos of. Well, you mentioned broccoli, which makes me think of the subjects that you would take pictures of. That's nice and green, right? And colorful and right. everything like that. So, of course, we all wish for super colorful, colorful food so we can, we can take pictures of it. But truthfully, a lot of food is not colorful. So what's difficult to photograph? Well, I've always found, and I, when I have I photographed these particular things for the Times food section over the years, the first one that comes to mind is beef, and beef that's already been cooked. A, a steak it looks pretty much dark, like a dark block on the plate. And so there are certain things you can do to try to get around this. One is you can cut the steak open to show like a pink center, and you could also photograph it while it's being cooked so that you can see orange flame underneath it. The other thing about steak is when it's raw, it kind of looks, can look bloody. So you have to be very careful uh, photographing something like steak. The other thing that is particularly hard that I have found is chocolate, a block of chocolate. So what do you do? Well, maybe you shave that chocolate onto something or you cut it up to give the photograph texture. Because again, chocolate's dark uh, in, in color, unless it's white chocolate. But uh, I, I have found that to be somewhat difficult. Again, if it's sitting on top of a dessert that's made that has chocolate sprinkled on it, then that lessens the, the, the issues you might have with it. The other thing I think we found with the students, and, and you can uh, talk more about this, is this this penchant they have to show the entire plate. That if it's, a, if it's a bowl of macaroni salad, they have to show the entire rim of the bowl and then all the macaroni salad, which if you really think about it, macaroni salad in, in and of itself is not that, you know, attractive. There's, again, a lot of beige. Right. And not a lot of color. So... Um, how do we get around that? What, what do we have to train the eye to see? Well, you, for one thing, you need, when you're photographing a plate of food, no matter what it is, you need to change your angle around so that you're tighter, you're a little looser, you're coming in from the left, you're coming in from the right, you're above it, you're shooting across it. Everything, every angle is game. 
and that will give you more uh, choices when you're going through all your pictures at the end to find the best one. Uh, the other thing you can do when, when something is beige, uh, say macaroni salad, maybe some kind of a garnish on there that, that differentiates the color. So the macaroni is white, whitish, beige-ish, beige looking. So maybe you'd sprinkle something, a garnish on there that would be in green color uh, that contrasts to that overall beige look. That will tend to pop it better. Maybe if you have a green food, maybe uh, something red nearby. Just color differentiation. There's actually really a lot to this. You know, I think we look at those photos on Instagram and we think, oh, you know, bingo. I just get my plate of food and I snap it and look how beautiful it looks. And there's actually a lot of thought that goes into that, which I'm not sure people totally understand when they get first get involved or you know really appreciate one of the things when you say garnish it reminds me the students sometimes garnish things they've made just to put color in there so you know it's a I don't know it's a chocolate cake and it's brown but we need color so there goes a red pepper and you're like well how did that red yeah. pepper get into my photo so the garnish has to make sense too that's just a that's a part of food styling. I like to tell them that a good food photograph has textures in it. It has levels in it. Sometimes there's a placemat, there's a wood background or a wood table that you're shooting on. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff that goes into a good food photograph. So you're sort of talking about things that you can control and you know something you've maybe made at home and you're taking to your window. I always like to say, and we've told this, them this in the class, that they become light hunters. Like you need to walk around your house at different times of the day and look at the windows and where the light's coming in. Maybe you're shooting your picture in the bedroom. Who knows? Not always in the kitchen. Where's the window? But um, what about when you can't control the situation so much? For instance, like in a restaurant. Well, then I, I, I remember a particular circumstance that comes to mind. I walked into an Indian restaurant in Pinellas County and... Uh, for the most part, inside the restaurant, it was dark. There, it was kind of plain looking on the tables. But as soon as I walked in the door, I opened the door, which allowed light into the entryway. And at the entryway of the restaurant, they had all of these different statues that pertain to India and, re and the religion and colorful dolls dressed in in uh, saris and so I knew immediately that this was the place where I needed to photograph the food because the, the colors the shapes uh, the the connection to India was was there and that's where the Indian food needed to be so I actually took a little table and set it up there and and had the owner of the restaurant prop the door open, letting the light in. And uh, that's where we did the entire photo shoot of like five or six different Indian dishes. And it worked perfectly. Now, if I couldn't have opened the door, then I would have had to have lit the uh, food with lights that I carry around in my car. And of course, some people don't have this option, but fortunately I did for that situation. But that's too, because you knew you knew when you opened the door, you saw the light. Again, you've yeah. trained your eye. You've become a light hunter. You know you know where the light is. Follow the light, follow the light. That's what all, all photo teachers say, right? Um, you have to be a little bit brave, don't you? And a little bit gutsy when you're in a restaurant. And you can't necessarily, the food comes to you, you're sitting in the back, 
you, you know, you got sat where you got sat and it might not be because it's going to be a great place for food photography. So you have to be a little bit brave. I just have one story I want to just want to tell about some of the, some of the things you've done. Like I said, we worked together for a long time at the Tampa Bay Times and I was the travel editor there for a while. And we had the great fortune of taking some great trips, mostly in Europe and all around the United States. So we were on a, a Mediterranean cruise and we had a stop in Santorini. And we, um, you know, they herded us into this restaurant. It was up high on the hill and we were overlooking the caldera and it was the most beautiful thing we'd ever seen. And But our table was in a bit. We weren't really close to the edge. It was an open air restaurant. We weren't close to the edge. So I forget what we got. Yeah, I don't know, big plates of salad and all kinds of yummy things. And uh, you needed to take a picture because you were photographing the story for me. You needed to take a picture, but it was not close enough to the light. So you picked up the plate, which always, you know, in general, I was like in a horror. Oh, my gosh, where is he going? What's he going to do? So you went over to the tables that were close to the to the edge there and said to the people, you know, excuse me, I'm a photographer for the Tampa Bay Times in, in St. Petersburg, Florida, and I'm going to take a picture. And can you move around? I need your space right there. And the lady says, oh, my gosh, we're readers. We're from Palm Harbor. That's right. So that kind of stuff happened all the time, even though I was, you know, initially in horror of you doing that. But you had a job to do, and the job was to get the light on the food. And that's just something I think you can't you can't put on the back burner, really. Right. And I wanted to get also I wanted to get the food close to the edge of the railing so that I could show the caldera in Santorini, the water area, and the Aristotle Aristotle Onassis-like yachts <laughs> below in the background. So again, composition and light, composition and light. It's everything. One thing, too, I think that students can do, or anybody who's trying to get better at this, is just to look and see what everyone else is doing. Look at other photos on in, in magazines, in cookbooks, on social media sites, and sort of see if you can see where the light's coming from and kind of getting back to that. So, Janet, why do you think that people are so interested in, f- in food photography these days? There's, there's this. The technology has made it super easy, and that's one reason I think people do it. The other reason is, well, first of all, we eat three times a day, and we like food a lot, and we like to show people what it is we're doing. So it's a little bit of this kind of weird digital scrapbook slash you know, braggadocious thing, right? That, yes. you know, here's these cool things I'm doing, and if you cook... And you bake, my gosh, we're always putting our stuff. Look what I made. Look what I made. Uh, I do it all the time, don't I? Here's the cookies I made. Here's the banana bread I made. I do it all the time. I've always been impressed with the students, some of them who just get it right away, and you can see it. You know, you can see that they have the eye for it. They they understand that. And um, do you think that that can be developed? I do. I think it can be developed. There are some students that could probably do an algebra problem and with ease and and not see it i think it's i think a lot of times it's one side of your brain versus the other side of the brain there are some it just comes so easy to the visual part and there are others where you physically have to put your hands on their shoulders and move them into position so that you could they can see through their phone or their camera what they're looking at so yes, absolutely. Uh, but I do think yes, you can like anything else. You can pr- you have to practice it, 
and and some people will become better at it. Some don't. Yeah, I think I learned a lot about how to do it from you, but I still know my limitations. I kind of know what I can do. And as you're talking here, I'm thinking um, later today I'm making a, a mango blueberry buckle, which is kind of like a crumble in a way. And I want to photograph it, but man, it's that big, you know, brown top. So I'm, I'm thinking I need to take a piece out of it and put it on a plate. I don't know. You're, Maybe add a little whipped cream or a little... A little fruit on top or just yeah and today it's kind of rainy out we have on rainy days you get a hot white light more of a less contrasty white light which sometimes works very well for people's portraits and but you 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 don't get what you don't get is you don't get the warmth because of course the sun isn't out glowing so uh, you get more of a white light so there are Different types of lights during different times of the day and because of the weather. Oh, I have to get to the store though because I have to go get some stuff. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that, and I'm gonna, I'm, I'm inspired to, to, to give it a whirl. Maybe, maybe I can get you to help me this afternoon. I don't know, but maybe if you're. And not, then the good part is you're not is taking you, a nap. Well, the good part <laughs> is you get to eat it later. So that's yes. the other thing about food photography. You get to eat the props if they're really good. Well, back in the day when we worked together, sometimes I would say, hurry up and shoot this because it is dinner. <laughs> right, right. Thank you for taking the time today, Scott, for sharing all your knowledge on this. And, and, and I know I've always uh, learned a lot when I work with you, and I know the students do too. And hopefully some people got some good tips out there when they, to improve their own food photography. Well, thank you. And hey, keep on taking pictures. <laughs> that was our contributor, Janet Keeler, talking to her husband, Scott. Janet gave us the recipe for that blueberry mango buckle, and it's on our website, thezestpodcast.com. I'm Robin Sussingham. Delia Colon and I produce The Zest with help from Cheyenne Jaglel and Mark Hayes. Copyright 2020, WUSF Public Media, University of South Florida.